Happy Sunday, everybody. So today's episode is, again, going to be about back pain. Uh, the article, the quotes are going to come from the article from Statura. The testing of frontal plane movements in the loaded position in the absence of a lateral shift. This was published way back in 2009 in the International Journal of Mechanical Diagnosis and Therapy. First quote, it is estimated that 80% of the adult population will experience low back pain at some point during their life. During a typical year, 40% of adults will experience back pain. This stat gets thrown around so often, but it's only because 8 out of 10 people will have the pleasure of having back pain. Okay, A majority of us will become a statistic. I've already had back pain during my lifetime. Uh, that's radiated down my right leg. And using MDT principles, I was able to clear it up within a day. Very few people will live their life without going through an episode of back pain. So, you know, I've been watching uh, Reading Rainbow with my daughter lately, and uh, a quote that keeps coming up is, the more you know. And so the purpose of this podcast and the purpose of this episode is to educate patients, right? It has been reported that up to 90% of patients referred for low back pain cannot be given a specific anatomical diagnosis. Okay, think about this. Most people that I see just want to be educated. How would you feel about going to your doctor to better understand what your problem is and being told that you have back pain? <laughs> it gets me every time, right? So the patient walks into the, doc to the doctor's office or the physical therapist's office and says, my back hurts. And after all the examination, the end, end diagnosis is back pain, okay? <laughs> the, the patient knew that part already okay uh, everyone wants to know about the exploding disc or the pulled muscle or the dum 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 arthritis uh, typically there's not one cookie cutter answer to your pain and and nine times out of ten we cannot state with certainty what the what the problem tissue is that's actually causing your symptoms so, you know, if, if you're at the doctor and the doctor says, well, you have back pain and there could be a, a bunch of reasons for this symptom, that's, that's a really good doctor, okay? If, if we try to attribute one tissue to your pain, uh, we're taking a guess because only one out of ten times can we actually do that. Okay, the next quote. The MDT model involves a movement examination in which single and repeated end-range movements are performed and the patient's response to these movements is assessed. Okay, so that, that's a lot said, but big picture, in order to figure out how your symptoms respond and to better understand your symptoms, you will have to be moved while in our presence. This statement above does a good job of explaining M MDT, otherwise known as the McKenzie Method. You will be moved not once, but tens to hundreds of times in order to determine what makes you better and what makes you worse. Once this is figured out, the rest is easy. Avoid what makes you worse and continue to do what makes you better. I spent almost $80,000 to go to PT school in order to learn this. Okay, it's a little bit more complicated than this, but not much. And and that's been part of the stigma against the McKenzie method uh, since I've been studying it is that it, just, it can't be this easy. So if you would rather, I can look very pensive and give you 20 exercise and treat you for months on end or I could smile, show that I got this, and treat you for only six to eight sessions. 
it's up to you. I mean, at this point, you know, you're paying per visit. I would much rather get you better as fast as we can. The next quote. When a specific movement or a combination of movements results in the patient's symptoms being centralized, reduced, or abolished, it is said that this is the directional preference of movement for the patient. If a directional preference is found, this determines the treatment intervention strategy, allows the MDT-trained practitioner to make a provisional classification, then drives the principle of management. Okay, so I, I'm saying all this because I can't stress the importance of it all. We have a ton of research since uh, Ron Donaldson, who's an orthopedic surgeon, came out with the term directional preference over 20 years ago. To make this very simplistic, many back pain uh, many back pain symptoms are like a locked door. And when we find the one movement that makes your pain better, it's like the key to open the door. Many patients, anywhere from 49 to 64% of, of, uh, of patients with back pain, can be unlocked with the right key. If the therapist is trained to find the key and use the key, it's like solving a Rubik's Cube, right? It's a puzzle. We need to figure out which movement makes you better. If a therapist doesn't even understand the basic principle of directional preference, then there will be a lot of attempts to open the door with things such as core training, massage, manipulation, rest and relaxation, heat, or ultrasound. Not many of these have great evidence, um, albeit manipulation is growing in the research, for turning off back pain. Okay, so the next quote is, a lateral shift was not detectable upon visual inspection. Okay, so a lateral shift literally means that the patient has is crooked. Okay, that's the, the quickest way to say it. The patient walks in crooked. They're unable to attain an upright position. When they attempt to change their position, it changes their symptoms. Okay, so I'm going to give you a story here. Uh, I had a patient many, many years ago. Uh, it was my first year in practice. Uh, I knew what I I I, I kind of knew what I was doing, right? But but I am I, I I wasn't that great. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Uh, every year I've gotten better as a PT. In my first year, I I knew the basic principles of MDT, but I didn't really understand the complexity of the system. And so I had a patient walked in with a lateral shift, and um, there are some rules to determine whether or not the person's crooked posture is relevant to the symptoms. But as a young know-it-all, I knew it had to be relevant. I mean, the guy was crooked. Anyway, I treated this shift for over 40 minutes trying to get this person to walk straight, and his symptoms weren't changing, nor was his posture improving. Okay, I called his wife back to the clinic, and I asked her to watch him walk. I didn't tell her what I was looking for, and I just said, what's the most obvious thing that you see? Because in order for it to be a lateral shift deformity, it must be obvious. She said, well, he... He looks like he always does. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Look at the guy. He's crooked. Uh, she followed with, uh, you know, now that you mention it, he is crooked. But he's always been that way. So I essentially let my eagerness to play the hero override the basic premise of ensuring that this being crooked was actually relevant and had something to do with the symptoms. I was wrong. <sighs> now, this guy got better in 10 minutes. It was uh, press-ups. So after a few press-ups, he was pain-free, but he was still crooked. I, I didn't fix that. Um, so, yeah, it, the crookedness has to be relevant to the symptoms. Next, 
single movements were tested, demonstrated a major loss of lumbar flexion, moderate loss of lumbar extension, and minimal loss of side gliding. Okay, what this means is that the patient was a, unable to bend forward, had much difficulty bending backwards, and side gliding was not blocked much. Side gliding, um, most patients don't know what this is, and and some PTs don't know what this is. Okay, so this is a movement of shifting the hips. Uh, one, like you're either holding a baby on your hips, or two, like you're trying to hip check somebody into the glass. Okay, this movement is important because it's more likely to test the problem area than just sideways bending. Okay, if your therapist has you bend sideways instead of side gliding, um, now that you've heard this podcast, try your best to educate the therapist about side gliding. Um, and if your therapist still doesn't understand, uh, it's hard to say that that's going to be the right therapist for you. Okay, there's research out there that talks about side gliding versus lateral flexion or side bending. And we've, we've seen the research that, you know, roughly 95% of the problems occur at L4, L5, and L5S1. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're addressing that. Uh, I think I'm going to go into that study next here then. All right, so a study by Feinberg on uh, 2,320 patients with low back pain demonstrated that the most common site of disc pathology was at the L4, L5, and L5-S1 level in combination followed by L5-S1 alone. Side gliding in standing has been demonstrated to better isolate the lower lug lumbar segments than side bending. Most people may have back pain originating from the bottom two segments of the back. So if the bottom two segments of the back are the most symptomatic, then you want to test a movement that's going to actually assess those two segments. Okay, the lowest, the, some of the theories on this are the lowest portions of the spine have to carry the most weight of any other portions of the spine. And so it may make sense that they may ask for help at some point. Okay. Uh, Side gliding affects these two segments more so than sideways bending affects the bottom segments. So if I'm not testing those two segments, then, then why am I bother testing the patient at all, right? If we know that those two segments can cause issues and we're testing something that doesn't necessarily test those segments, I mean, it's okay if you want to test side bending, but make sure that you're also testing side gliding. And as a patient, you know, the the evaluation should be fairly thorough. We're, we should be moving you around a lot. Okay. Next quote. While there is no evidence to support the following, the author believes that the loaded position, standing, is more functional and therefore should be fully tested before testing unloaded or lying positions. All right. So I, I don't necessarily agree with it because the the author just took a huge leap um when practicing mdt it is taught um or better yet drilled into us that we should always follow the form at least until you become credentialed right until you become certified in mdt you should always follow the form okay and so the author of the study is no longer following the form and that's not a bad thing um you know in, in the article he gives rationale for why some tests were done in standing and why some were done in lying. Uh, the biggest thing to understand is variables and knowing why you're doing what you're doing and when you should be doing it. Okay. Our primary goal is to understand how the patient's symptoms respond to certain movements. And we, when we see patterns or certain phenomenon, such as centralization, after moving you, we can start to play with your symptoms like a fiddle. Okay. This means that we should be able to accurately predict what will make you worse and what will make you better. I personally like to test this to see if I'm right. 
you know, I will pull the patient through, um, I will put the patient through a little bit more symptoms than they, they have to be in for a short period of time. Okay. I'm, I am actually, I'm a really nice guy, right? <laughs> um, but in order for us to truly understand the patient's symptoms, we should be able to predict turning it on, turning it off. Okay. And from my experience with patients, therapists aren't doing this and the patients may never experience that cause and effect moment during their entire therapy episode. Or, even worse, traditional therapy may create a cause and effect relationship in a negative way and actually make the patient worse. And just know that it's not the patient's fault. Another story. I had a patient way back in um, 2009 that came walking into the clinic on crutches. Her diagnosis was sciatica, and I couldn't figure out why she had crutches. You know, I asked, and she said that she walked into one of the other clinics in the area and needed crutches to leave the clinic. Okay. The PT was performing hamstring stretches. Okay, and, and hamstring stretches are a common thing to hear about in PT. And actually, if you look at most pictures of physical therapists, like the box picture, you're going to see a, a PT in a polo shirt stretching a person's hamstring. Okay, um, first off, for you guys, I'm like 260, right? I don't tend to wear polos. Uh, and I don't have that chiseled jaw look. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that picture. Uh, but the patient in question responded rapidly. So a good book for you guys to look at is Rapidly Reversible Back Pain by Dr. Don Ron Donaldson. Um, so the patient responded rapidly to lumbar extension. And not only did she not need crutches after her first visit, she had no pain whatsoever. So the moral of the story, you know, not all therapists have the same knowledge, even though we all have the same baseline education. So patients should educate themselves in order to be better informed when going to see a healthcare practitioner. You know, if you're experiencing back pain or you know someone that would benefit from evaluation to determine how rapidly symptoms can be resolved, uh, you know, give them my name. You, know, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Dr. Vince Gutierrez. You, know, you can find me on uh, YouTube, Dr. Vince Gutierrez. You can find me at movementthinker.org. Uh, you can find me at goodliferehab.com uh, and functionaltherapy.net. Thanks for listening. Uh, as an aside, uh, last night was our first PT pub night in Joliet. So thanks for everybody who came out to the PT pub night. You know, great conversations were had by all. And I'd like to thank uh, Yolanta Chervonka for following the podcast and Dom for following the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good week.